774 of the sleeper in the bus this is an emergency edition i am flying solo at five o'clock in the morning to bring you this i'm talking mookie bets trade right now folks and it has to be done because uh, we're actually going to end up with three podcasts coming out today is that too many yes definitely but this is what happens when mookie bets gets traded on tuesday night as he did because we already had the two labor podcasts planned, the uh, draft prep one and then the one where the draft actually took place and everything that we did for that. That's already like five hours of, of listening excellence. The draft's a four. I, th- I think the prep is about an hour or so, but maybe a little bit more than that. At any rate, I wasn't just going to leave bets, the bets deal hanging Um until the next proper pod with with Justin or or on Friday with with Nick, I, I I didn't really know what to do, so I said, you know what, I'm just gonna do it by myself. We'll do it live. So let's just dive into it. Let's talk about the ramifications. By now, you know what the deal is. Uh, you know what's gone down. All the rumblings actually came to fruition. You know we've heard so much about these star players possibly getting traded this year. Uh, this offseason with Chris Bryant, Francisco Lindor, Nolan Arenado, and, of course, Mookie Betts. And a lot of times it's the old, uh, you know, a lot, lot of smoke and, and no real fire there. It never really comes to fruition. This one really started to turn up. And I got to be honest, when I was hearing the Will Myers, Manuel Margot tripe uh, that, you know, and, and this was like, to counterbalance some of the money it was going to be you know price and bets to go so then they have to counterbalance and send over like a uh somebody like will myers no 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 i wasn't buying any of that that you can't trade one of the five best players in the game and get will myers back so i never really was buying what san diego was selling there you know, they were steadfast that they weren't going to give any of their top prospects. And you're going to make me take Will Myers? I, I don't think so, Tim. Now, on the other end, with the Dodgers, they too were saying, now nah, we're not going to, you know, we're not giving Gavin Lux. Uh, Dustin May was a maybe. Uh, Keep it Ruiz was seeming like a no as well. And I was like, uh, I think they'd be more open to doing it than the Padres, but we'll see. But then it really picked up steam. And then it was like, this is, you know, from the big guys, the Rosenthal's, the Sherman's, the Heyman's. This is going to be happening soon. This could be going down. And boom, as we're drafting on Tuesday night, this goes down. Mookie bets to the Dodgers, along with David Price, Alex Verdugo, and Bruzdar Gratterall to the Red Sox. Bruzdar Gratterall from the Twins, excuse me. Oh, the Twins getting Kenta Maeda. And then a separate trade that is at least tangentially related, though, the Angels collect Jock Peterson and a, quote, MLB pitcher. We do not know yet. I'll get more into that later and discuss who I desperately hope it is. Uh, as well as a prospect named Andy Pages. Uh, that's going to the Angels for Luis Rangifo and a prospect. That prospect has also not been named. So we're still going to get some chips to fall later. I could have waited for that. I feel like I can speculate enough on the, quote, unquote, big league starter. Oh, wait a minute here. So oh, the the Angels are going to get 
Never mind. Sorry, I was misreading something. It said Angels will get, quote, a big league starter and a prospect. We know the prospect. It's Andy Pages. Meanwhile, the Dodgers are going to get a prospect along with Rinkifo. Anyway, we'll get to that part in a moment, the LA-LA deal. we got to talk bets first, obviously. Charlotte? Charlotte's trying to get in here. Come here, Charlotte. Um, so here's the thing. While he is absolutely the star player, his value doesn't really change that much. Yeah, you know, he's going, he's leaving the green monster. He's going to a new league. Um, there might be some ancillary changes. I'll be interested to see what the, uh, what the projection systems do. All in all, I, I don't move bets anywhere. Um, I've got him four on my board. He's not moving up and he's certainly not moving down. So it's it's a pretty static move. It's it's weird like for fantasy when when it is uh such a big player being traded and everyone wants to know the impact of that guy and you're like, "Eh, nothing." So I know that that kind of falls flat a little bit cuz you're hoping for all this great information or or all this uh great chatter on what's going to happen to the superstar player, but it's not really uh bets that that kind of sees a lot of action here as far as what's going to happen. David Price this is interesting. He goes to the National League. Boom, right off the rip. Give me some strikeouts. Facing the pitcher twice a game. Then you're going from Fenway to Dodger Stadium. Boom, another little boost. Then you're getting out of the AL East, which also has Camden Yards, Toronto, which with their young offense and, and quality stadium, and Yankee Stadium, his absolute nemesis, the nightmare haven, Boom, give me another little boost. Okay, counterbalance it a little bit with Coors Field, but boost it right back up with Giants uh, Oracle Park. And, um, you know, I like those D-backs a lot. I think they're going to make a wild card, so they're a little bit tougher. But they're not tougher than the teams that they were facing in, in the form of, like, Tampa Bay, New York. So, all in all, that's a plus. So, I think we're seeing some some pluses in Price's favor here. And not really, you know, a lot, a lot of uh, credits for him, not many debits as far as what I'm doing to the numbers. So I don't know if the projections have already changed. I'll tell you right now, Steamer has it at a 369 ERA, which is nice for David Price, and a 119 whip. I like that where it's at. That feels like the NL version. If that's what it was before tonight uh, or before this morning, and, and that can still go down a little bit, that'd be interesting. But I think the 369, 119, that works for me with a strikeout per inning. Um, at the minimum, I think I think he's getting back to. Uh, let's see what he's at last year. Actually, he was at excuse me, he was at uh, ten eight or ten point seven last year. David Price was so I want to at least keep it there. Uh, I think for sure he can do that. Even though that was a career high, I think Price can maintain that just by virtue of the fact that he's lived in the 25% range and now get adds the pitcher. So I think he can live still in the. 26 to 28 percent range and it was a 28 percent flat last year so david price going up a little bit in my book uh let me tell you where i had him on the rankings that you guys can see but then also let you know where i've got him i've been updating the sp rankings the new one's going to come out soon i don't know exactly when so i'm going with soon right now i apologize for not having an exact an exact date i had him 47th in the latest ranking off the sheet that I used on Tuesday night for labor, I had Price. So after some moves here, let's see. I had Price at I had Price at 47 or uh, excuse me, 45. So only a two spot move 
to that point. He'd only moved two spots at like, say, 6 p.m. Central as of Tuesday night. As I'm looking at it, I think I got to move him ahead of Musgrove, Robbie Ray, and that's probably we got to get some more clarification on Otani because I've been hearing some things that suggest that Otani's not even going to be starting to pitch in the majors until May. Some grumblings on like MLB Network, they were acting as if he was going to be out for the first month as far as being a starter. So I got to figure out where that's at because I've got I've got Otani at forty three. Bottom line is I think price is going to be somewhere in the thirty eight to forty three range. Let's call it or thirty eight to forty four range, somewhere in there. He is moving up a little bit. Obviously, he has a little bit of concerns of his own coming off of just a one hundred and seven inning season. That's now two of the last three seasons where he's gone seventy five and one hundred seven and a 176 sandwiched in between, which is still a far cry from what David Price has done. Simple fact is, you can't really project higher than a buck 50 right now. I think you have to start there, take anything else you get from the 34-year-old as gravy. I am excited about this move, though. Price is somebody I've always liked. I'm in. Okay, now we move over to what Boston got. And obviously, they were in a position where Bloom comes in, he's kind of cleaning up things a little bit now you know i don't i i'm reluctant to use that term i feel like dave dombrowski is kind of getting uh dumped on a bit for for leaving some sort of mess how about and a world series ring okay so i'm hearing some boston fans complain about his tenure as if they didn't win the title these crybabies uh don't win enough like give me a break okay I understand he's got a little bit of a slash and burn when it comes to prospects, and that's not always fun. Um, you know, there, there's definitely a way to kind of do both, but I, you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta spend those prospects to win. This, the fact is, he won a title. They were in this position here where keeping bets for the year. I don't think that was implausible though. This notion that they had to trade him, or else, you know. They're just going to be this meandering fourth-place team. I, I don't buy any of that crap. That said, if they want anything from him, he clearly wasn't going to resign for the prices that they were willing to pay. They wanted to get under the luxury tax, reset things. I understand why they were motivated to move him. I still would have liked to see them get, you know, I don't know. I, I got to be honest. I, I'm waffling a little bit here because now as I'm looking at it, I, I got to be clear with you guys. I thought Verdugo was more 25-26. I didn't realize this was his age 24 season. And while he's not a Gavin Lux, he's not a Luis Patino from San Diego, that's still pretty young. And there is still some potential growth to that profile. Now, I kind of see him as like a peak Nick Marcakis. And I know that's not going to be getting anybody warm and fuzzy about, oh, wow, yeah, peak Nick Marcakis. Now, now we're talking. But that's that's a solid player. Uh, so, you know, going into his age 24 season, you look at Marcakis at his height. Four, six, two, three uh, wins there. Pretty good for for a decent while. Then he kind of tapered off and, and kind of sat in the two-win range for uh, three of the next four years with a uh, brutal, at least brutal to, to his expectations, age 29 season, where he played all year, 160 games, 700 plate appearances, but put up just an 87 WRC plus en route to a 0.6 war. That was uh, at age 29 for Marcakis. But I, I think as a as a thumbnail, peak Marcakis isn't a bad idea to get your mind around what Verdugo could do. Capable defensive outfielder in right, 
lefty, solid bat, uh, put up a one, what was it, 123 last year? Let me see, WRC plus of 114, excuse me, I, I overshot the mark there. But doesn't strike out 13%, 7% walk. I, I don't mind that walk rate with that kind of strikeout rate. Only 12 home runs in 106 games. Could see maybe a little bit more power developing at a 180, 181 ISO. Now, I will say as far as his fantasy value goes, this is a this is a dip because... Fenway's difficult on lefties, particularly ones who already are struggling a bit for power. You know, we've seen what's happened with Andrew Benintendi, who probably has more raw power than Verdugo as is. And now, actually, let me compare that. Let me see if Benintendi's profile is still up. Is his scouting report still on his page? Yes. Actually, they both got 55 grades. Now, they were graded... Benintendi was graded in 17 and Verdugo in 19, but I guess their power is pretty similar. That said, the the point holds. Um, career 165 ISO for Benintendi. That might have been the comp that I should have gone for right there, right on their own team, was that they got another Benintendi, um, maybe with a little less more, a uh, little less more sick grammar at 5.15 in the morning <laughs> with a little less inclination to run maybe. Uh, I think for Benintendi's both faster and more apt to on the bases. So maybe I'll still stick with the uh, with the peak Marcakis, but uh, Benintendi light might also work. So I got to move Verdugo down a little bit. I've always been a bit of a Verdugo fan as far as his game and, and seeing some potential development. But this this is not a move that that excites me. I do have I do have him as a very nice 69th uh, outfielder. I'm probably going to knock him down a few clicks. Just looking at the list, that, again, that I used tonight for labor, I had Verdugo just ahead of Mazzara, uh, Nomo Mazzara, Avisal Garcia, David Peralta, Brandon Nimmo, and probably getting him at least below that that whole group. Then it's Jesse Winker, Mark Canha, Will Myers, Garrett Hampson. You know, he could even fall below some of those guys. i got to move Hampson up, actually, a little bit. This is a little bit outdated on these uh, outfielders here. And I will be moving Hampson up. So, yeah, I'm thinking somewhere in the mid to late 70s for Verdugo, despite being at the top of a, of a quality lineup. So while it does hurt maybe the power output, I still think there should be a solid batting average. There could be a ton of runs. So as I, as I was saying that now, I'm, I'm not going to move him below Winker. I think Nimmo, somebody who gets on base a lot, should score runs at the top of his lineup. Nimmo and Verdugo should be similar. So wherever I land with like Peralta and Nimmo, I think Verdugo will be right there. It's not. It's going to be a boring profile. You're not going to be getting oohs and ahs. You're not going to be feeling super excited when you take Verdugo. But he could he could ease his way to 100 runs if he is given full run in the outfield there at the top of the lineup. We have him penciled in at the top. I do wonder if maybe Benintendi would assume that role instead. Uh, that's just what roster resource has right now. We'll see. We'll get more clarification. If Verdugo is more of a six five six hitter, that changes things as well. Sorry, y'all. It is um, late for me. Uh, not early. I have not been to sleep. So I am taking more frequent drinks here. Just vo voice gets a little bit, uh, uh, mouth gets a little bit drier this, this late at night. So anyway, Bruce Dark Gratterall. Now he comes over from Minnesota as they as they finagle their way into this deal here. I imagine to lighten the burden of paying bets in price this year, 
shift over that Kenta Maeda contract into Minnesota. Minnesota gets involved, gives Bruce Dark Gratterall over to Boston. I like Gratterall. He was somebody I was eyeing as a, a, a Loveman, a draft and hold situation. I even thought maybe at the end of something like the labor draft that we did on, on Tuesday night, 29 rounds, 28, 29th round, maybe take a flyer on Gratterall because there's six there's only six reserves, but there's unlimited DL. So not that Gratterall will go there, but if you are getting injuries, you can shuffle them off and you can you can have a stash, maybe two if you really love your team, but uh, one you could definitely have. In the end, Justin and I were, were excited and we were, were thinking, okay, let's go Gratterall because right now Matt Hall, uh, real person, allegedly, is uh, penciled in as the fifth starter for Boston. And we were like, well, Gratterall could take that spot relatively quickly. Then we kind of turned our attention to Nate Pearson and decided to go for him. So we were going for an AL East prospect either way, and we decided to go for Pearson. But Gratterall came up last year through nine and two-thirds out of the bullpen at age 20. F- flamethrower, 99-100. Um, and I think, I think he has a true sinker as well. So he's bringing that in as like, a nasty sinker when it's at that kind of velocity. And, you know, he was fine for the, uh, for the nine and two thirds. I don't want to make, I I don't even want to tell you the ratios because they don't matter. Like that's such a small sample. Like who the hell cares? I'll tell you the 25% strikeout rate, 5% walk, a little bit of something to that. But even that is, is sketchy to really buy into too much. It was a four level season, rookie, double a triple a, and then the pros for Bruzdar Gratterall spent the bulk of his time at AA where he threw 52 and two-thirds with a 24% strikeout rate, 10% walk, just 5.5 hits per nine. That helped him get a 171 ERA and 101 whip. Now, his 13% swinging strike rate suggests that there could have been even more strikeouts for him, but he was a heavy ground ball guy. He was probably getting out of count, uh, out of at-bats earlier in the count. Uh, with that with that sinker slider mix. Now in the majors, we only saw a two pitch mix: the sinker and the slider. Changeup was show me as can be. It was two percent, and frankly, those might have been you know misthrown fastballs that were coming in at ninety one to ninety three. So he does have a forty five grade on his changeup, so he he is supposed to have one, but it definitely needs work. This is kind of your prototypical. Uh, young pitcher who comes up, has the two pitches, has a ready-made relief profile, can the changeup develop and get him into the starting role. We'll see. I tend to believe in him a bit. Uh, I'm actually excited to see if he can develop that change and figure some things out so that he can start. I don't think there's any reason or, or real chance that the Red Sox would start him from the jump even with a Matt Hall uh, slotted into their fifth spot. But I could see, I feel like we could see him up after maybe a month, you know, go back down to AAA. Uh, he only threw five and a third for Minnesota. Even if you add in the uh, the major league experience, you're still talking like 15 innings at, at AAA in the majors. So go to AAA, get some more seasoning, figure some things out. Maybe they have some plans for his changeup and, and they can teach him a thing or two. Then bring him up and let Bruce Gratterall maybe be the fifth starter for the bulk of the season. Uh, I'm intrigued by that potential. Bottom line here, though, I think they got an impact arm in some capacity. If he doesn't start, the back end of the bullpen does seem like a good fit for Gratterall. Maybe not closer immediately, but matriculates his way there after like a... uh, uh, fireman's role. Uh, this this is a really really live arm and a big time prospect here. I think this was a good get for the uh, for the Red Sox here, 
And so they got two guys, age 21 for Gratterall, 24 for Verdugo. They did shed some money, obviously, to, to fix their luxury tax situation, although they did send some money in the deal as well to cover the price contract. I understand if you're a Red Sox fan and you're pissed about it. You just traded a generational player. It's never going to really feel good. Uh, as I was talking through it on my stream tonight uh, on Twitch with some folks, I had a buddy, um, Siege. You may know him from Twitter. He's a, a big DFS guy. He's a Red Sox fan. He was explaining it and saying how they were resetting their their luxury tax and then they can be big spenders and, you know, it's kind of uh, setting the groundwork for Heim Bloom to do his thing instead of always kind of working with this, uh, you know, weight around his neck of the luxury tax. I, I, I get it from all those ends. It just, it sucks to see a team like the Red Sox, you know, have to trade away such an elite player. I, I still think that it was perfectly viable to just ride it out with bets, take one last run here and see what you can do. Because, I mean, they're still a good team. They they are challenged. Their bullpen is pretty bad. And, um, you know, after Sale and, and Eduardo Rodriguez, as much as I like Nathan Eovaldi, you know, he's a big risk. And then you have Martin Perez and, uh, and, and again, Matt Hall uh, getting the most talk he's ever had. So I get it. This is not a team that you're looking at right now and saying this is a major contender. But but their quote unquote down seasons they want they had a down season where they won eighty four games last year they're probably still projected in that same similar range with a few tweaks maybe they get over the hump but I get it they're doing the reset this is not a horrible move and um, if one of Verdugo or Gratterall pops this is going to look a lot better you know down the line so then we move over to I think the biggest winner of the deal well outside of the uh, ancillary deal which we'll get to in a moment kenta maeda come on down now cards on the table your boy's a big kenta maeda fan always have been uh just really like his game and like watching him pitch he's fun to watch pitch man you know he's got he's got a little bit of a kitchen sink approach at at most times where he can be throwing all sorts of different variations of stuff fastball slider change up uh, curve and then he can kind of make the slider into more of a cutter amp it up to 85 to 87 you know he's got multiple fastballs so I, I like what Kenta Maeda can do and he's really never been bad as a major leaguer since coming over in 2016 at age 28 he has 589 innings of a 387 ERA 115 whip his worst ERA in that time is a 422 perfectly capable for both a uh, real-life scenario and even most fantasy scenarios. Obviously, you're 10-teamer. You're not doing backflips to get a 422 ERA, but it came with a 115 whip that year and a 25% strikeout rate and 13 wins because he was on the Dodgers. Uh, his worst whip of the, of the tenure is a 126, but that came with a 381 ERA, so that was still pretty good as well and a 29% strikeout rate. So he's always had fantasy viability now where if you're a head-to-head -head leaguer and you've been through the headache of Maeda you probably hate him I will say though through no fault of his own because if you're in head-to-head -head league you had this guy uh, all year and and enjoyed him throughout the spring and early summer saying hey this guy's pitched well for me this is gonna be great and then the shenanigans begin every year. It's so weird how Kenta Maeda 
can't seem to, uh, you know, st start many games in August and September. Jeez, he must really wear down, man. This dude just can't hack it six months. Or he has a contract that is heavily tied to incentives based on innings and starts. And every time he starts to creep up on those, all of a sudden, we got to get him in the bullpen. You know, we just, uh, you know, we just got to do it because, um, you know, he's wearing down. Yeah, uh, we're, we're not manipulating it. No, no, no. He's, he's just definitely wearing down. So it's just something that we got to do. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. it. This seems as straightforward as it gets. Um, I, I just, I don't think I can be convinced of otherwise. So he gets 250000 each threshold from 90 innings to 190 at every 10. So 90, 100, 110, 120 onward. Another 750,000 if he reaches 200. Gets games started. Gets a million for 15 and 20. Gets a million five for 25, 30, 32. If you think he just randomly has to stop starting in August and September... You're stupid. I'm sorry. Little brash. I get it. But if you're trying to do anything but see it for what it is, you dummy. You dumb dumb. August, I might be overstating a little bit. September, plain as day. I will say, in August, he's really only been limited the one time. So I'll amend my statement. But September, plain as day 34 games over his career in september nine starts it's 22 and 18 in in august 2018 in uh, july 2018 in june 1919 in may 22 21 those are games games started and again i cannot be convinced that he just all of a sudden can't hack it down the stretch because there's nothing in the numbers that suggests that's true in fact his fourth best era by month is september now part of that's being in the bullpen yes his two worst are july and august at 440 and 450 but with a 117 and 113 whip and and great skills as well and uh, OPS totals that are very much in line or better than his other months. So everything's in line. I don't think the ERA just magically rises and, and there's some, some big trouble there. Plus, those aren't the months where he's being... like. I, I guess the case that someone would make is, well, he puts up those ERAs in those months, so he's got to come out in September. They can't, they, they, they can't do it, you know? They just can't. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. Now... Soapbox done. By the way, I will say on the July one specifically, his past July in 2019 was his only bad one. Um, and it was a 5.11 ERA, but it was a 1.10 whip with 30 strikeouts in 24 and two-thirds and only eight walks. Like, the skills are always there. So I'm not – okay. Anyway, soapbox done. Why I like this move is I don't know that Minnesota is going to have the luxury to do that. So I think that they're going to be open to letting their guy go because they're going to have Barrios, Odorizzi, Maeda, 
Bailey Dobnik is what they're looking at now. They're supposed to add Pineda and Rich Hill as the season goes along. Uh, Pineda off of suspension, Rich Hill off of injury, neither of whom are particularly healthy on their own right, or in their own right, I should say. Uh, same with Homer Bailey. So unless they just have this crazy stroke of luck where they have everybody healthy and kicking and, and you know, clicking at high uh, at, 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 at their peak come August, September, I don't know that they're going to be able to turn away from Maeda, particularly if he's pitching as he's always done, which is quite well. So I'm excited here. Bottom line, I was still taking him even with the Dodgers shenanigans because I play mo- almost exclusively Roto. I have one head-to-head league. So it's never really bothered me. Just give me the bottom line numbers. And, uh, you know, I... I don't think that far in advance anyway where I'm planning for September. Even in a head-to-head league, I'm not worrying about September in February and March. I'll figure that out because I don't know who the hell I'm going to have in May. How the hell am I going to know what I've got going in September? So I like this for Maeda. Yes, he's going NL to AL, uh, but he's going to the AL Central. He does not have to face the best team in the AL Central. Cleveland, decent. White Sox on the come up, but Tigers and Royals. Sign me up. Amazing offensive support. Solid bullpen. Um, you can make a case that his bullpen support went up. I think you really could. Uh, Taylor Rogers, Trevor May, Sergio Romo, Tyler Duffy off a really nice season. Uh, look at what Tyler Duffy did last year. 35% strikeouts, 6% walk, 250 ERA, 101 whip. Hell of a season from Tyler Duffy. Uh, Tyler Clippard, who they who they scooped up, he was he was uh, really good last year too. He's be 35, but he's not even like a, a main cog. Good bullpen versus the uh, the Jansen, Baez, Kelly. Now Trinan's a solid add. And, and they'll piece it together. They don't have a bad bullpen. I just think that the Twins one is solid, steady. Even when Maeda's kind of going five, um, as he as he can do at times, I think he can turn it over to a nice bullpen, and that offense is going to be giving him great support. I had Maeda high already. Let me see something really quick here. Let's see if I can pull up the ADP to see where he was going because um, I think I was already high compared to the market and now if the market wants to move him up they're basically going to be catching up to me as opposed to me really shooting him up my list after this i I like my ada i might i might tap him up a spot or two just to ensure that i'm i'm getting him okay so let's see here he was oh hang on i'm gonna have to kind of eyeball it here because as you know nfbc lists pitchers all together so he's the 75th pitcher off the board and the closers around him are Joe Jimenez and Sean Doolittle. I'm going to say that that's at least 20 relievers, upwards of 25. So we'll call Maeda about SP50 in in the market. And your boy, me, if you don't know what that phrase means, I don't know how you couldn't. It's pretty straightforward. I had him ranked 40. So I don't think I need to move him up anymore. Because I've already kind of planted the flag of, hey, my eight is my guy. This is how much I like him. I'll leave him there. I'll continue to get him. He was the 34th starter last year on on the player Raider. With a 404 ERA and a 107 whip, 
169 very nice strikeouts and 153 and two-thirds. Goes 10 and 8. You know, I'll take a carbon copy. That'd be fine. But I think we could finally see him eclipse 180 innings. His career high is 175 and two-thirds back in his debut season of 2016. He's one of those guys I like that I talk about, like my guy Joe Musgrove, who has the, you know, he, tre- he trends a little bit higher on the ERA. Uh, after the 348 in 2016, my is at 422, 381, 404, so a little bit higher, especially for you 10-teamers. But he always brings the quality whip, 114, 115, 126, you know, up there a little bit, but then 107. And I think those guys stay undervalued. I've talked about it before. If it were flipped, the guy who has the, you know, 350 ERA, 137 whip, everyone loves that guy. But the, the you know, I'll just use his numbers from last year, the four of, or even from 2017, his, his worst year by ERA. The 422, 115 guy, that guy gets overlooked, man. He just does. And I'm here to I'm here to snap him up. Join my squad. In fact, he joined mine and Justin's squad. Um, we did we did draft him right on the heels of the trade, and it was it was purposeful, without a doubt. And happy to have him on the squad. So I like Kent Maeda here. I, I went on a little bit of the diatribe there with the innings thing, but uh, I'm excited to see what happens, and I, I hope he gets to kind of give his full due this year. And uh, let's talk about the L.A. to L.A. deal. So as pieces are shifting here, you know, Maeda gets um, a base salary of $3 million off the books plus the potential incentives. So the Dodgers are moving that money. They also move Jock Peterson, who I don't know exactly. He's still in ARB, but he made, let's see, he made five mil last year. He's coming off of a one twenty four. Five WRC plus. Hang on, guys. I'm sorry. Should have had his page pulled up. My apologies. He's coming up a 127 WRC plus, 36 homers. He's going to get a raise to eight and a half. I, I'm not great with with knowing you know what arbitration numbers are going to be, but I'm I'm going to guess, and I'm going to put I'm going to put it there. I'm going to say eight and a half, nine mil. Um, is where Jock Peterson is going to be. So that money goes over to the Angels, and it goes with an MLB. Uh, now, the quote is, big league starter. We don't know who that is yet. Please, for the love of everything holy, let it be Ross Stripling. God, I'm hoping for that so much. In fact, when the original... um when the original news was kind of trickling out and we didn't know exactly where everything was, um, there was suggestion of like Ross Stripling maybe going in the original deal, whether it was to Boston and then this third team that we didn't know who it was yet. There were three or four other teams uh, that were being rumored of like, it could be this team, it could be this team. Um, it's like, we'll get Stripling in that deal. As you may know, I love Ross Stripling, but... The moves that they made this year, this offseason, including signing Alex Wood, just continued to push him out of the rotation. I'm looking, and it says an MLB, a big league starter is going to the Angels here. Again, we don't know who because players are being informed, et cetera, et cetera. 
I don't know who else it could be. I don't think it's Jimmy Nelson. They just signed him. Plus, I don't know that, I, you know, I like Jimmy Nelson. I'm, I'm rooting for him. I don't know that he's steady enough to where they're, they're thinking that they're getting something, you know, that they can slide right into the rotation yet. He's kind of a prove-it guy this year. The Dodgers can watch him prove it. I don't think the Angels are trying to do that. Alex Wood, they signed five minutes ago. I don't think they're flipping him immediately, although maybe, which would still be fine for the Angels, but not what I want. Focus on what I want. It could be Tony Gonsolin, but I think they would have put Prospect at that point, um, even though he's a little bit older. May is like definitely, you know, Prospect, underlined, bold, italicized. But Gonsolin, I think, still fits in that realm where they would have put that as opposed to big league pitcher. But I guess it could be Gonsolin, which wouldn't be bad. But please be Stripling. The 30-year-old has been jerked around, and he's been nothing but good for this ball club. He has 387 innings. Of a 351 ERA, 121 whip, 24% strikeouts, 6% walks. The dude is good. He has 136 appearances as a major leaguer, 52 starts. I like him. I like him so much. And it's such a good fit for the Angels, too. You know, they've been trying to acquire starting. Obviously, they were heavy, heavy, heavy after Cole. It fell through. They decided to go, okay, well, let's get our our big ticket item as Anthony Rendon and then kind of piece together the pitching, which I think they've done an adequate job of. You know, Tehran, Heaney, Bundy, Canning, Sandoval, Otani isn't a terrible group right now, especially, especially compared to what it was last year. And you got you to gotta start somewhere, right? It, it Cole would have obviously turned things massively in one fell swoop. Instead, they have to do incrementals because uh, Trevor Cahill was the only guy to eclipse 100 innings last year. I'm looking at Tehran Bundy, and then I think at least one of Heaney or Canning. They should have at least three guys eclipsing a buck fifty, I think. And then we'll see what Sandoval can do. And then Otani, of course, is like an ace when he pitches, although probably planning for somewhere between 120 and 140 innings. If they add Stripling to the mix here, you go Tehran, Heaney, Bundy, Stripling, and then Canning, Sandoval, vie for the fifth starter's job while Otani rehabs. Canning himself, we don't know about his health record right now. He ended the season hurt. Sandoval, I do like. I've propped him up on the um, on the recommendation of Nick Pollock, who got me interested in him at the Arizona Fall League. So I do like him, but I push I push him and Canning, who I also like. I push him aside. I push those two aside so fast. I I push right through them and make a beeline for my guy Ross Stripling if he's the guy going over here. This would be awesome. They finally get a chance, just put him in the rotation, let him go. And while he's only peaked at 122 major league innings in, in one given season, the the 30-year-old, I, I feel like he could at least do a buck fifty. At least. So if that's the move, he goes way up my list because I'd really started to move him down. I you know, my my rankings that are on the site right now, I have him at some crazy ass number like 35th or something that looks so stupid now because of the uh um, the what's it? The Wood and the Nelson moves. Whatever. Where did I have strip? Oh, I had moved him down. This was I, I was thinking. Of, I had moved him down to forty six, which is still too high. But from the uh, August ones that I did, I had him like super super high. Forty six, still too high for what the outlook was for Stripling. It just wasn't looking like he was going to start, and he's going as like the five billionth pitcher off the board. 
the 119th pitcher, 308th pick. I'm moving him way up if he's going to L.A. here, or if he's going to the Angels. I guess I can't use L.A. when we're talking about both L.A. teams. So let's not focus too much more on that. We don't even know if it's going to happen. I don't want to be getting my feelings uh, you know, amped up only to be disappointed. Let's talk about what's actually happened. Jock Peterson going over to the Angels. This is a nice pickup. Brian Goodwin is a fourth outfielder, plain and simple. Now, the downside of this move, I'll get it out right away, is Joe Adele is not coming up right away. Sorry, folks. Unless there's something that we're going to learn about an injury or a a retirement, perhaps, to a a legend player on their team, a legendary player on their team, uh, one Albert Pujols, then this this means that Joe Adele is going to be down for at least six weeks, I think. They want some AAA seasoning. He was not very good in his AAA stint, and they're saying, you know what? Let's do this move, and once you're ready, we'll bring you up, but we're not going to pressure, you know, we're not going to throw you right into the fire immediately. Because even if, so let's say Adele goes down and just rips the cover off the ball immediately. He can still come up. Peterson can go to first, and Pujols DHs when Otani's not playing. So there's still maneuverability there, but as it stands right now, it's Upton, Trout, Peterson in the outfield, and then um, Brian Goodwin to the to the bench as the fourth outfielder, which is you know what he should be. He's a very capable fourth outfielder. He's stretched as a full time starter. Peterson, again, I mentioned it earlier, coming off a fantastic season: thirty six homers, seventy four ribbies, eighty three runs. 249, 339, 538. That was good for a 127 WRC+. plus. I don't see any reason that he can't repeat. The dude has a, a 250 or better ISO in three of the last four. Well, I cheated a little bit. It's 249 or better. I should have just said that. I, I know we get obsessed with round numbers. It's 249 or better for three of the last four years. And the, the down year, quote-unquote, was still a 194. I mean, it was that was a down year. It is his worst season of the bunch. He had just a 100 WRC plus, but the power was still there. The you know that's not in question whether or not Jock Peterson can hit for power. 25 or excuse me, 26, 25, 11, 25, and 36 homers. The 11 came in a career low 323 plate appearances. The bottom line is you're probably getting a minimum of 25 homers with the potential for another 35. If he does indeed bat atop this lineup, at least against righties, which is what we have him down for right now, that's huge. Uh, I mean, it's huge in that, you know, he's going to have Trout, Rendon, Otani, Upton behind him. It's not raise him up your rankings too much huge, though, because he was atop the Dodgers lineup against righties. Fact is, though, coming over to the Angels, he should not bat more against lefties. Peterson can't hit lefties. He's 28, age 28 season coming up. He has like a sub-600 OPS against them. It ain't happening. I know it's, I think statistically or something, the the, the samples sets at like a 1,000 plate appearances uh, to have a split. Okay. Sure. Like I, I, I get that. I don't want to be like dismissive of, of the math, you know, and the, the guy who like rejects analytics and the hardcore math. Obviously I like analytics, but I don't want to be the guy who like just rejects it as like uh, saying that that's wrong. I understand the math behind it. 
I understand what it means is that he could have a spike here randomly where he has like a 390 BABIP against lefties and all of a sudden he, he puts up a 850 OPS. But the simple fact is Jock Peterson can't hit lefties. 572 OPS, 188, 263, 310 tells me all I need to know. But he's an 860 against righties. And he clubbed him to a 920 last year after an 893 the year before. He's been 893 or higher for three of the last four years. Jock Peterson's value remains very strong uh, for what he is. And this is another guy that we drafted right on the heels of the trade. Very comfortable to take him where we got him as well. And I can give you that exact spot here. If you give me just one second. It was round 14 of a, of a 15-team league. So that's going to be... That plus, how many picks are there? Pick 200, and Jock Peterson's ADP is, bear with me, I'm maneuvering millions of tabs right now, 213. So we jumped him a little bit for one reason. Because he had just been traded, we knew his name was, was hot, and people were going to be looking at him. You know, it's that thing like... Uh, when you're doing a draft and hold, or, or a slow draft, I should say, and somebody gets signed somewhere, if, if it's anywhere near their ADP, they're going to get jumped at that point because they're they're hot. Everyone's thinking about them. So with that in mind, we decided to say, hey, let's go ahead and get him right now. He's not going to make it back to us. Plus, we like the first base eligibility. We, we kind of did an eligibility. You know, we weren't like taking lesser picks just to get eligibility. It, it happened to break that way that we were getting all these guys with, with extra eligibility. But Jock Peterson was just another piece of that puzzle that uh, that has first base outfield. So we love that. And I think we're going to get at least 28 homers, a boatload of runs, and uh, you know a 250 average. So it's more of a, a neutral move, but I, I, I like it for him. Because it was he was already in a good spot and he was going to remain in a really strong spot. Hopefully that MLB SP is Ross Stripling, and, and then going back, uh, Andy Pages. I don't really know anything about. I would point you to um, Kylie McDaniel's tweets about him, uh, or the MLB trade rumors, which actually quotes him. Kylie McDaniel of ESPN, by the way. If you missed it, he is no longer with us on on Fangraphs. Congratulations to him. Um, I consider him a friend and good guy. Glad, happy for him, and um, gonna miss him because he he did great work with Eric. He and Eric are a great team. But I understand, you know, got to make moves that uh, that work for you. And so, wish him the best of luck there. So it is weird saying Kylie McDaniel of ESPN reports, but he talked some stuff about Andy Pages saying that he was a really solid rookie. Uh, a solid player in rookie ball, I should say, 19-year-old. But I don't know too much about him, and the fantasy uh, implications are dynasty only, if that. So uh, let's talk Luis Rangifo and then get out of here because I'm obviously rambling like crazy, and I need to get some sleep. So Luis Rangifo, you may remember him from last year. He became When he came up as a prospect for the Angels, he was a little bit of a... Uh, waiver buzz or Ren Hifo, excuse me, I'm, I'm pronouncing the G like a total noob ass noob, Ren Hifo. And he came up with some buzz due to his speed, thinking that hey, there could be a little bit of uh, a speed component here, despite the fact that he had only he hadn't really stolen in the minors and uh, in 2019 or 2018. He was nine for 18 
in 2018-19 combined in the minors. Now, he did have some some stolen bases previous to that. Uh, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. That that 9 for 18 was in AAA at 18 and 19. He was also in double and high A in 2018 and stole 20, 35 for 45. So, okay, we, we were a year removed from some really nice numbers, but in AAA, his decisions weren't great. He was a 50% success rate, Renhifo was. But batting average guy, high contact, could even take a walk, and uh, was expected to maybe be something that, that could be worthy of like a middle infield situation in the deeper leagues of the NFBC or, or whatever, wherever you were doing a fab. Turned out not so much. He did he did stick around for quite a while. 406 plate appearances, but just a 238, 321, 364 line. He went two for seven on the bases. He's not going to be a big factor for the Dodgers. Yeah, they're so layered up, and 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 they have redundancies in so many spots that I I don't I can't even fathom what it would take for Renjifo to see legitimate playing time, because the infield and outfield are like double covered by multiple players. Enrique Hernandez, Chris Taylor covered the entire infield. In fact, some of their own starters can fill in and go to different spots. Muncie can move around to the entire infield except shortstop. Uh, Justin Turner's talking about uh, taking reps at second base so that he can bounce between second and third. And then you got uh, Hernandez, Chris Taylor, Matt Beatty, um, and then Ren Hifo. So I don't really see fantasy viability even in NL only. Maybe maybe a buck. Maybe you're, you're straggling at the very end. But I think at that point, Beatty would still would be there for a buck. So why not just take him? So uh, I'm going to end it on, on Ren Hifo being, you know, uninspiring. There's also a prospect going back because yeah, uh, Peterson, Andy pages. And if it's stripling or Gonsolin or whomever for just Ren Hifo seems light. So we did hear that a prospect is going back, but it's not supposed to be a top prospect, meaning obviously Adele, but also uh, Brandon Marsh and one other guy. Let me get the name from Fabian Ardaya said. Um, let's see here. I'm sorry. I got to find that one. Jackson. Uh, I don't know who that is. Jackson, Jackson, Jackson. Jeremiah Jackson. So those guys aren't going to be the ones going. It's going. It's probably going to be some you know, 18, 19-year-old that the Dodgers scout out, and then four years down the road, he's their number two prospect. And we're like, remember when they got him in that Jock Peterson deal? Yeah, now he's a freaking beast. But that's how it happens. I think it's a good move for the Angels. Uh, biggest winner of the night, as far as fantasy, Kenta Maeda. Next biggest winner is probably David Price, then Verdugo, um, because he, he should get full-time playing time. No Dodger shenanigans. Uh, then, I mean, like I said, Betts is neutral. He's obviously still super elite. So he's just, he and Peterson are just like, nothing really changes for them. Oh, if Stripling gets moved, if it is Stripling, I'm going to go Maeda, Stripling, Price, Verdugo, as far as the top, uh, top beneficiaries there. So, yeah, I've talked enough. I've talked way too much about this deal here. Um, but I hope that you enjoy this. There are going to be three pods on the feed today because I'm going to give you both labor draft ones here. Uh, the first one will be out late morning, 
that'll be our draft prep one. And then about an hour after that, the big mega one from the draft. If you want to listen to that, uh, we meander and, and trash talk and, and yell at people who sniped us. I know you guys seem to enjoy that one. I know it's long. Listen to it in chunks if you want. But enjoy it. I know a lot of you do, and I do appreciate that. If it's one you want to skip, I totally understand. It's not for everybody, but it will be out there. Please enjoy, and uh, take care.